Welcome to the New Life Millbrook Weekly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit nlmillbrook.com. Well, last week I began ministering in Psalms 23 because Psalms 22 told us about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, his ministry here on earth. And that's what Psalms 22 was about. You don't mind if I just jump right on in there for lack of time, do you? Well, good, because I'm going to do it anyway. So uh, I appreciate you being patient. So anyway, he, he had, it says there in Psalms 22 about him dying upon the cross, things that he said, my God, my God, why have thou forsaken me in verse 1? And it goes over this about in chapter 22 being about Jesus his fulfilling of why he came. And then in chapter 24, we see where it says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and all that dwell within. And he goes on over there to, you know, to saying, uh, who shall ascend into the throne of God? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, not lifted up his soul uh, to, to false idols and so forth. Those that seek thy face, O Jacob. So it's talking about the millennial reign. In other words, after the church age, the rapture, it goes into the millennial reign. And so that's what chapter 24, and right between chapter 22 of the death of Jesus and the millennial reign is the church age, the day that we live in. I made mention last week that location is more than a destination, a place. It is also time. And we're living in a time frame of chapter 23. And chapter 23 reveals what we should be experiencing at this time. It's not just a, 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 another chapter to be thrown in there. You know, it's a time frame in which how the church is supposed to be living. So if you could go ahead and put up there chapter 23 of Psalms, and we'll look at verse 1 real quick like, and uh, we'll jump right on in where we left off. So it says, The Lord is my shepherd. Last week I made mention about the Lord. The Lord being the creator of all that is seen and all that is not seen. How many of you know that takes a lot of wisdom? That's who my shepherd is. My shepherd created everything. Everything. He knows everything about electricity. He knows everything about plumbing. <coughs> Excuse me. He knows everything about everything. He knows why... A bumblebee can fly when its weight says it shouldn't fly. Huh? He knows it all. He is a great mathematician. He keeps all the planets on its orbit. He knows just how, how much weight and water and, and so forth the, the earth should weigh and to stay in its orbit and not go wobbling off somewhere else. He did it all. That is who my shepherd is. Who's your shepherd? Is it the Lord? If it is, say, the Lord is my shepherd. Not Pastor Shepherd, but my shepherd. He's your shepherd. My goodness, think about that. The Lord is. Do you realize how many heathen wish they had a shepherd like that? But they don't know it. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, and because he is that kind of shepherd, I shall not want. There ain't a thing that's left. My shepherd loves me. He's died for me. He, he laid his life down for me. There's everything there. And because of all that he's done, I have no want in my life. He meets every single need that I'll ever have. He provided everything that I'll ever need before 
he ever created Adam. All it takes, go back in Genesis, you'll look, you'll see where he put the plants here, the, actually the, 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 the light and the water here, and the light and the water makes the plants grow. He didn't get it out of order. So that had the plants grow. Well, after that, he put what? The fish and the bird, and, and then, you know, th- so they'd have a place to, to swim and so forth. Then he had the cattle so they could eat the plants. And after that, he did what? He said, let us make man in our image. Everything that we'll ever have need of was provided for all humanity before he said, let us make man in our image. He hadn't come back and made one tree. He hadn't come back and made one cow. He said, I'm going to do this thing in such a way. This is my shepherd I'm bragging on. I'm going to do it in such a manner that I'm going to create with a seed of what future generations, thousands of years later, will have need of. It'll be within them already. He hadn't come back and made any more rubber trees so you can have tires for your car. Otherwise, you'd be riding around like the Flintstones. Everything. That's my God. That's why I shall not want. He's already provided it all. Next thing he says, he made me lie down in green pastures. And I made mention last week, those four things has to be met in order to be able to lie down, for a sheep to lie down. And he compares mankind with a sheep all the time. He said, what? Number one, he says, there's got to be peace from without. There's got to be surely no predators out there about to tag the flock because if, if they feel that and sense that, they're not laying down. Because the only defense that a sheep has is what? To run. And you know what? They're not good at it. So they need all the advantage they can get. They want some fat sheep to just lay down so they can outrun them. That's the only thing they've got. So they want to make sure that's taken care of. My shepherd, he provides that for me. I don't have to worry about anything from outside trying to attack me because my shepherd is watching over my life. You know what else he does? Sheep won't lie down if there's any problems within the camp. Strife and anger and envy and all. God takes care of all that as well. He takes care of the issues inside of you where you don't even know that, that you're having to deal with. You just know something's not right. Well, he knows about it. And if we'll submit that to him, he'll take care of that as well. So the things that were out, he'll take care of, and the things that were within the camp, within the fold, within your life, he'll deal with that too and bring peace to you to where you can lie down. Another thing he'll do is sheep won't lie down if they feel like there's nothing to eat. If there's not provision for them with water and, and, and green grass and all, they can't lay down because they're worried about food. Sounds like people, don't it? Huh? Jesus said what? He said, why are you care, care, uh, always worrying about tomorrow and, and the food and all these things? If I'm not taking care of it, look at the fields. Are they not beautiful? They didn't get out here and worry about flowers and stuff. I just made it and covered them. They're beautiful. And if I took care of them and the birds... Won't I take care of you? Won't I give you provision? And then the next thing he says, they wouldn't lie down if there's pestilence involved, where the bugs and all just sit there and just irritate them more and more and more. Then in the summer months, it was real bad. They would get up into their nostrils, lay their eggs, and I won't even go in there, maybe a little bit later. But uh, it causes them problems. And so how many of you know when people bug you? He's there for that. Okay, so you can lie down for that. Verse 3, well, it goes on and he says, he laid, uh, go back. He leadeth me 
besides the still waters. He leadeth me besides the still waters. Once again, notice there, he leads. If you're a shepherd, you lead. The shepherd don't follow, he leads. And he leads us besides the still waters. He wants to make sure that you get good, clean water to drink, not some muddy uh, mud puddle you're trying to drink out of full of parasites. He takes care and watches, because sheep, I'm going to tell you, they're, they're, they're prone to about anything that can be, kind of like people. Okay? And so he leads me beside still waters where I can go and get a drink and be refreshed. Then he goes on in verse 3, he says, He restoreth my soul. Restoreth my soul. That, in that uh, scripture verb about he restoreth my soul, I made mention last week that he doesn't just restore your soul back like it was before you were offended, back before somebody ripped you off, back before uh, you came across a problem. He restores your soul back to the place of where it was in Adam before he sinned. God's restoration doesn't stop and get you back to Eve and Stevens. When you look this up and you study it out, that word restore there comes with the, uh, the, 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 the meaning of taking you all the way back and restoring you in full place, full sonship before the fall. Isn't that good? You ought to act like it then. You know, that's good news, okay? I don't know about you, but I like it when he took me all the way back and restored me back because of the work of chapter 22, back to where I was originally created to live, in his presence, without sin, without fear, without want. Amen? And he restored us all the way back to that. Isn't that what the chapter 22 was all about, restoring man back to his original place and his intent? Glory to God. So that's what chapter 22 did. He restored us. He restores my soul. My soul is, is where I have to fight all the time, saying, well, if he did, why am I going through this? And why am I going through that if he restored it? That's when you tell your soul to shut up. I'm going to line up what the Word says. My soul has lied to me before. Has y'all lied to you before? Sure it has. Has your soul told you the big bag wolf was going to take you down? Did he? Apparently he didn't because you're sitting here. So he lied to you. That's what liars do, okay? Thieves steal, liars steal lies. Don't be surprised when the devil does that stuff. But those that are of truth, and Jesus said he is the truth, the way, the life, they tell you the truth. And if he said he restored you, he restored you. Then he says this, he said, he leadeth me in the path of righteousness. He leadeth me in the path of righteousness. Those paths are the ways. Your day-to-day living and understanding. He leads you down your walk of every day of righteousness. And he does it for his name's sake. He says, you know, my character, my reputation's on the line here. And he makes it available for us whether we walk it or not. Huh? He makes it available whether we walk it or not. He's leading. You may not be following, but he's leading. He's saying, come on this way. Has anybody here besides me ever missed it? I've gone down the wrong path. But it wasn't because he wasn't saying, come this way. It was because, in my mind, I couldn't see what he was seeing. Okay? And that's because I'm looking at it down here, and he's looking at it from up here. He sees a bigger picture, and I'm limited. Sometimes I take the dog out, and we're on a hill, and I, I look, and I can see the deer, but the dog can't see the deer. 
because the dog's down in the bottom and he can't see over the, right, the little rise there, but I can see it. And he's just down there. If he could ever get the glimpse up here where I'm at, he could see it. Oh, and then he goes into attack mode, go run it out of the yard because he's a big, bad dog. And they run right on the other side of the underground wire and stop and look and say, well, are you coming? Because he won't get out of the yard. But he thinks, but he can't see it. But God sees things from a higher perspective than we do. And we, that's where we have to learn trust. And you know, he doesn't mind that you mess up a few different times. As long as you learn from it. You know, I messed up last time. You know what? I should have trusted you in that. Has anybody ever said that? I should have trusted him in that. Sure you have. Well, did you mess up twice? Because if you did, you should have trusted him in it. Amen? How many of you have messed up two or three times about the same thing? How many tired of getting in trouble? Tired of saying, God, I repent. He's like, son, when are you going to trust me? When are you going to trust me? Did I not take care of that? Did I not do this for you? Yes, sir. Then when are you going to trust me? You keep thinking I'm going to drop you. Where did that ever come from? Did your daddy drop you? No, sir. Then why do you think that I would drop you? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Before long, guess what happens? It rises up again. You going to trust me in this? I will this time. I will this time. And you know what? Once that is achieved, and you stepped out where it looked like total failure was going to hit you in the face, and you were successful because you trusted in the Lord, you won't have to deal with that battle again. You say, uh-uh, I, I, that, that, what, that's already been dealt with. Now, you'll have the opportunity, but it'll be a little bit different. But you'll say, well, if he was faithful there, won't he be faithful here? Well, I don't know. And you might fail at that one. And then he'll say, why didn't you trust me? Why didn't you just trust me? My reputation's on the line. I'm not going to let you down. I will not fail you. If you'll follow me, I'll lead you down those paths of righteousness. Righteousness. Sometimes I think we get religious and say righteousness, and we have no idea what that means. Right standing with God. I'm going to lead you down a path that's going to be perfect for you. I know where I'm taking you. Quit dragging your feet. Then he says, verse 4. See, we're halfway through it. And in verse 4, he says this. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Now, the greatest thing I found about this is that word, yea. Can y'all say that with me? Yea. But yea in this text, does not mean yay for your team, okay? Because some of you may be thinking, yay. Well, yay is an adverbial uh, conjunction, and it means also. Also. It also means even. It also means even though. You could say it indeed. So he could, you could read it this way. Also, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, or even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even, what? Though I walk through a valley of shadow of death. You could also say, indeed, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Why would you say that? See, it's connecting the other one where he leadeth you through the paths of righteousness. He's going to lead you through this valley. You hear me? He says, I got this. 
It's connected to verse 3. He leads me in the path of righteousness. He's going to lead me through this valley of the shadow of death. He's not going anywhere. He says right there, what? For thou art with me. He led you down the other one. He's going to lead you through the valley. I like that. Psalms 5, 8 through 12 says this. It says, lead me, O Lord, in thy righteousness because of my enemies. Make thy ways, uh, ways straight before my face. For there's no faithfulness in their mouth. Their inward parts is very wickedness. Their throat is an open grave. They flattereth with their tongue. Destroy them, O God. How many of you feel that way about the media? Yes. Cast them out in the multitude of their transgressions, for they have rebelled against thee. But let all those, say, but let all those. Does that include you? That's right. It says that put their trust in thee, rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy because thou defendest them. Let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee, for the Lord will bless the righteous. With favor will thou compass him as with a shield. The Lord says, if you'll walk in this righteousness that we just talked about in verse 3, I will bless you. I will make you rejoice. I will surround you with favor, with grace, which is empowerment. I will surround you like a shield. Nothing formed against you will prosper. Hallelujah. Y'all just ought to act like you're happy with that. I'm telling you right now. He restoreth uh, my soul, but it says here. And, uh, mm, uh, okay. So why would the Lord lead you? Let me ask you that. Does anybody have an idea why the Lord would lead you? Huh? Because you asked. How about that one? Because you asked him to. You know, that's why a lot of times you don't hear anything from God because you didn't ask. He said, I'll lead you down this path of righteousness. He said, I will walk with you through the valley of the shadow. I'm going to lead you through it. But we don't ask him. We just kind of like stumble through it in the dark. You know, it's okay to say, Lord, what in the world's going on? How come this and how come that? Lord, I'm trusting that you're walking with me because you said you'd never leave me or forsake me. So I know you're here. Can you reveal a little bit to me? Holy Spirit, well, sure I will. That's what I'm here for, to show you things to come. Well, why didn't you show me early? You didn't ask. You didn't ask. I tried to tell you, but you were more interested in Fox News. You were more interested in what the stock market was doing. You were more interested in the party that the other kids were going to. I tried to show you, but you didn't seem to care. But since you want to know, I'll tell you now. If I got both your ears, your spiritual ears, as well as your physical ears, if I got both of them, I'll explain it to you. Because I want you in the know. I'm sent here by Jesus to be your guide, to be your teacher, to be your comforter. Will you let me do this? But I can't do it if you're distracted. You won't hear me. Are you hearing me? And don't you know that this world is full of distractions? We just read it off a few minutes ago about... Over in Psalms, uh, 50, uh, in Psalms 5 about all the distractions in life, all the evil people, all the different ways that, that will come against you and paint you a picture, give you an image that is exactly the opposite of what God said. Yes. All you need to fear, stock market's all messed up. 
You need to fear. Banks are going to close. You need to fear. We don't have any baby formula. You need to fear. Gasoline's doubled. It's going to go even higher. We need to fear. We need to fear. Here he says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shepherd, I will fear no evil, for my God, my shepherd is with me. Who's with you? Who's with you? I don't know who's with you, but I know that with me, my shepherd's there. And because my shepherd is there, I shall not want. Nor will I lack any good thing. Are you hearing me? This is where we're supposed to be living, folks. Because of what happened in chapter 22. Chapter 24 don't have these problems. The devil ain't loose. He will be after a thousand years. But we're not living there. We're living chapter 23. Okay, that's where we are. Are you getting it? This is what the Lord has for us. Make sure about it. Mm. Psalms 143, verse 8 says, Cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning, for in thee do I trust. Cause me to know thy way wherein I should walk, for I lift my soul unto thee. Deliver me, O Lord, from my enemies. I flee unto thee to hide me. Teach me to do thy will, for thou art my God. Thy spirit is good. Lead me into the land of uprightness. Didn't he say he'd do that in chapter 3 and verse 3? He'll lead you in the path of righteousness. Expect it. It's right there. Expect him to lead you in these paths of righteousness. Proverbs 8 verse 20 in the NIV says it this way. It says, I, speaking about wisdom, which is the Lord. I walk in the way of righteousness along the path of justice, bestowing wealth on those who love me and making their treasure full. He said, those that love me, they walk with me. And when they walk with me, I bestow upon them riches, wealth, and I make their treasury full. You know, you can't just get around your grandkids without giving them something. Huh? Now, I only saw my grandfather two times on my dad's side. They lived in Massachusetts, and this is back before people traveled a lot. So we went up there, and the only remembrance I have of my grandfather, of my dad, my, his, his dad, was him doing this. When I, he come in the door, and I'm just, you know, about this big, and he reached in his pocket, and he was looking at me, speaking in Portuguese. I have no idea what he said, except, I think I know, would you like a Hershey bar? And he gave me a Hershey bar. They didn't have big, big block ones, okay, back then. But this Hershey bar was not part of a Hershey bar. It wasn't where well, you just get one of those little pieces and give all the other ones. No, got my own Hershey bar. It might as well have been a two-pounder. To a five-year-old. That's all I remember about my grandfather. Except his name and all. I won't go into that part. But you know what? He blessed me. He gave me something. He gave me something. We've been given a heritage, folks. 
We've been giving God's word to us. And he said, what? He says, I'll walk in the way of righteousness. And I'm walking in the way of righteousness because I told you I'd lead you in the path of righteousness. I told you I'd never leave you or forsake you. So if, you, if I'm expecting you to walk down the path of righteousness, I'm going to lead you. Then I'm walking down them with you. Yes. Right? And it says there that along with these paths of justice that I'm walking, I bestow wealth upon those who love me. Enjoy your walk, folks. Enjoy it. If you do, you'll like it. It says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Walk. You know, walk is an action. It's a verb. It's action. It's not sitting still. There's movement involved in walking. And this word walk represents our life. You don't sit still. You continually move it day after day after day. There's a movement. And this word is also used metaphorically to speak of the pathways or the behavior of one's life. You hear me? It's talking about the behavior of your life. Yea, though I, my behavior is in the midst of the valley of the shadow, the way I'm going to live in that valley of the shadow of death. If you're going to be there, shouldn't you walk righteously? I don't know about you. This seems like not a good time to get in sin. You don't like it to start with. You don't know where you are. It's dark. Summit's on both sides of you. You, have not, you. you don't know where you are. Seems like a pretty sad time if you want to mess behave. This is a time you want to stick close to the shepherd. Huh? It's no time to wander off. The key word here in this whole passage is, yea, though I walk through, say through. through, through the valley of the shadow of death. This, you don't stay in the valley of the shadow of death. Amen. You walk through it. Yes. It's no place to camp out. This is not Yellowstone. <laughs> Yogi Bear doesn't live out there. Other bears live out there. You don't stay there in the wilderness. You don't stay in the valley of the shadow of death. You go through it. I'm getting through it. I'm going to the other side. The children of Israel went to the, to the wilderness for 40 years, but they didn't go wandering around out there because they didn't know what, you know, what else we're going to do. They went there because they couldn't go back to Egypt. They'd kill them. They wanted to go into the promised land, the land that flowed with milk and honey. Chapter 23 is a promised land. This is what we were promised by the death of Jesus in chapter 22. If you believe chapter 22 about his death and burial and resurrection and his restoration of us back to where we're to be, we ought to be living with a promise of 23. Yea, though I walk through this valley of the shadow of death, I'm not going to fear any evil. Why? Thou art with me. Thy rod, thy staff, they comfort me. You see... The desert place, or that valley of the shadow of death, that's not a vacation site. I've looked at a lot of ads. I've never seen one, Expedia or Orbit, anybody, advertise for the valley of the shadow of death. <laughs> not one time. There's no sale. Delta's not running a special this week. You won't find one. Nobody wants to go there. And anybody that's there wants to leave. 2008, 
we find ourselves back there, really, a few years back. We thought the whole world was coming to an end. It's the valley of the shadow of death. Let's go sell off everything we got. Time's running out. And the Lord told me, no, don't do that. No, 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 no. This is the time when millionaires are made. Don't you dare do that. The other people are living in fear. You have no reason to fear. For I'm with you. You make investments. Yes, sir. I did. And you know what happened? Just what his word says. You prosper. You prosper. Why? Because you didn't operate in fear. Many people took losses that didn't have to. I can understand it. It was a very sad time. But you know what? We came through that, did we not? It's, it's 2022. It's not 2008. Huh? We're not living in 2008. We're living in 2022. Say, well, the market's kind of doing some crazy things now. Yeah, it will. Go back, look at it. It's always done crazy things. It's up and down, up and down. But it's amazing what the record is. It's not economics class, so I won't stay there. There's nothing in the valley of the shadow of death to be desired except Jesus, because he's there with you. But when you're in the valley of the shadow of death, a lot of times you can't see him. It's dark. Yet many people live there in their minds on a daily basis, worrying constantly about what tomorrow holds. I know that for a fact. I did it for many years. What am I going to eat? What am I going to drink? What am I going to wear? Where am I going to lie down at night? Always worrying, 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 worrying. And you know what? It never gave me anything. Gave me something to do. It gave me something to worry about. That's all I ever had. And when I began to understand God's love towards me, did you hear me? When I began to understand God's love towards me, worry started to leave. If you don't replace the things you worry with God's love towards me and make him your shepherd, you're always going to worry. Well, I know he's pastor shepherd. Well, you're still going to worry. I know he's so-and-so shepherd. Yeah, you're still going to worry. I know he's Brian shepherd. Well, you're going to worry until you come to a place where you know he's your shepherd. He's my shepherd. He's my shepherd. He's my heritage. This is mine. When I began to understand this, God's love toward me, I chose to submit that worry to him. Was it easy? No. It wasn't. I'm not lying to you. It wasn't easy to submit that to him. But I knew that God's word was true, and I desired to walk in truth. Didn't matter what I thought, how I felt anymore. What mattered was truth. Am I going to live a lie? Am I going to live the truth? His word is truth. And if his word is truth, then everything else is a lie. He said, let every man be a liar and God's word's true. Guess what? I recognized that I was a liar because I was living a lie. Are you hearing me? And when I began to realize I didn't want to be a liar no more and I wanted to live in truth, I had to make a decision that I'm going to trust him above my thinking, above my education, above my experience, above what everybody else thought, what everybody else would say, how they might feel about me. 
What about my reputation? Because I began to be more conscious of his love towards me and how he felt about me in my eternity than I was what everybody else thought. You know, in high school, you think the only people that matter are those you go to school with. Then you graduate. Next week, I think it'll be 50 years ago I graduated from high school. I don't even see those people. So why in the world am I going to let them dictate to me my life? Why would I have them mold and fashion and shape in how I think and how I respond when I'm not even going to be around them anymore? Thank God for the time I had with them. We see each other, we bump elbows, talk about something 50 years old. That's not who we are anymore. I don't even have hair anymore. I went to a funeral the other week of a friend that I went to grade school all the way through. First grade all the way through, he died. We were altar boys together, went to Catholic school together. Had a picture there that was posted, me and him like this in fifth grade. Best buds is what was written underneath it. When I heard he died, first thing that came to my mind was 236-0273, his telephone number. In that a while. Where did that come from? 50 years? I hadn't called him probably, in, uh, that, that was his home number, in probably 60 years. But nevertheless, that popped up. Just like that. First thing I thought of, he died. And I thought, wow, we spent all that time together. Altar boys for 12 years, Catholic school, public high school together, all that stuff. I never saw him again after 1973. Not that I can ever remember. But we were like this through school. His name was Tom Sawyer. I was Huck Finn. No, his name really was Tom Sawyer. I just played the role of Huck Finn. Huck Finn was a nice guy compared to Alan Cova. Okay? If you think Huck Finn could do some stuff, hey, we won't even go there. Matter of fact, Facebook posted that. Huck Finn had nothing on Alan Cove. Okay. Saying I follow the Lord requires action. That's that verb, walk. One time as I was walking with the Lord, he showed me this fork in the road and said, let's go this way, and I didn't want to go that way. I was like a horse coming up on a street sign, and it was wobbling in the wind. How many of you know the horse don't want to go? He's not familiar with that sign. He's not going to go past that sign. And so the rider has to dismount and get him by the reins and lead him past the sign. Now, the next time around, it'll be easy. He'll, he'll remember that sign. But that's the way I was. And I didn't want to go the way the Lord wanted me to go. It bothered me. I hadn't been down that road before. And I didn't want to go. But he's so gentle with us if we'll just say, yes, Lord, I trust you, but that sign is bothering me. You don't understand, Lord. He's like, okay, I don't understand. I created everything I don't understand. Okay. But Lord, it wobbles when the wind's blowing. I can't even see the wind. It just does. It vibrates. I don't want to go. Yeah. I was unprepared at the moment to go. That's what it boils down to. I was not prepared for it. I made many excuses why this was a bad idea, God. We don't want to go down that road. Lord, I know. This is not the time. It may be a good road for later. And the Lord said, no, we're going down this road. 
but I don't want to go down that road. I don't know what's down that road. I want to stay with the familiar because I can deal with those fears. But to go down another road, well, Lord, that's what's going to require me to trust you in a different way. He said, yeah, I know it, son. What are you going to do? And I tried to reason with the Lord, telling him that I'll go, but his timing was off. I think we need to wait a little bit longer. And none of my efforts were successful. The truth of the matter was that God was requiring me to go against all common reasoning and trust him. He said, can you trust me with this? Have I let you down? Can you just trust me? But you know what? This is the first time that you're having to learn in a particular area. It's not easy. It's not easy. And I won't go into what it was. You just have to trust me on it. But I'll say this, like a little child with tears running down his face, I submitted. This voice I'm hearing, the leading of your spirit is on the line. It wasn't a threat. I was just being truthful to the Lord, explaining to him that I don't understand, but I know this voice. I know this voice. And it was indeed the voice of the Lord. And it became a pivotal point in my life. And if I hadn't taken that path, can I tell you I wouldn't be standing here today? All over one little bitty thing, dealing with money. If I, can't tr if you, if I didn't trust him with that little bitty thing, which seemed like the whole world, at the time, I wouldn't be where I am now. It's amazing how if we miss that fork in the road, it changes everything. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. How many of you ever realized that they don't build expressways on summits? They build them through the valley. You know why? Because it's the easiest way to get there. I mean, if you go out west, you go through the mountains and stuff, or up in the Appalachian Mountains, you won't find them going like this over the tops of the mountains. You find them going through the valleys. They'll branch off and go up to that mountain and branch off. But they make the roads through the valleys. You know what else is in the valley? Provision. There's no lakes on the top of the mountain to drink from. They're down here in the valleys. We don't want to be down there. It's dark. Sun only hits down there a few hours a day because of the... The mountainsides. Walking through the valley is the easiest way to get you to your destination. God desires to take us to the summit. We talk about mountaintop experiences, don't we? And we want to get to the mountaintop, but we don't want, we want. Can you imagine trying to climb the face of that mountain? Will will be doing that pretty soon. Instead of taking the easy route, like his sergeant, you're going to stand there all day, climb the face of that mountain with that rope and that backpack on. If you drop that backpack, you're going back start over again. Matter of fact, you'll probably start over anyway. Me, I'm going to get in the Jeep and drive around up to the top. I'll see you up there. We want to take the easy route. The valley is the easy route. That is the easy route. 
We just don't recognize it for what it is. And like I said, all it takes is a little common sense looking at the way the engineers have designed the roads going through the mountains. They may go back and forth, snake its way all the way up to the top, but it's easier than going straight up. Right? Yeah. The valleys are how you get there. Now, the shadow of death. Oh, it's not real. Shadows have no substance. It's only caused because something got between you and the light. It produced a shadow. There's nothing real there. And if you allow these things to come between you and God, the source of life, you'll have shadows. And things have become distorted. And how many of you know those things that become distorted will talk to you? They'll tell you lies. They'll tell you why you're all by yourself and the Lord has forsaken you. How many of you know that even the evening news is the shadow of death? You hear it every night. Every possible problem known to man is going to eliminate the economy. It's going to mess up the health of our, our body, uh, the climate of our, our world, and eventually destroy all mankind. If you don't believe it, just turn on any news station. They'll tell you that this afternoon. News outlets have not, nor will they, consider the Word of God. They don't do it. It doesn't sell. People want to hear calamity. They want it. They get off on it. Give me some bad news. I don't want to hear about somebody got healed. Give me some bad news. Tell me how somebody went on their way to church, they had a wreck and died. That's what I want to hear. I don't want to hear about later on, the preacher went down and laid hands on them, they got up. I don't want to hear about how Jesus stopped a, a funeral procession, put his hand on the casket, and the guy sat up and began to speak like he did it there when it was way to name. I wonder what he said when he sat up and began to speak. Have you ever thought about that? What did he say? Sat up. Whoo, that was a close one. I mean, what did he say? I'm hungry. Thank you, Jesus. I mean, what? Don't know. We'll find out one day. It'll be on Blockbuster in heaven. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I'm only 67, fixing to be 68. But I've lived in a recession, and it wasn't fun. But we came through it. Marsha and I have been in financial despair. It wasn't fun. Came through it. We lived in times of war, Vietnam, Gulf War, several other things. It wasn't fun. We came through it. These events happened before we gave our lives to the Lord. Not the Gulf War, but the other ones. And after giving our lives to the Lord, we still face similar situations in life. But we considered the word. What did God say? What does he say? And our attention was not upon the problem, but on the promise. What did God say? We stood on his word, the promise, with our health, with our money, with our children, and we continue to look for him for guidance, even now. But if you keep things from obstructing the light, you can see clearly. Don't let things get between you and the light. They won't cast shadows. The most important word again in this verse is through. Don't stay there. Don't stay in the valley. Don't take up residence in this place. You're only passing through. This isn't your home. 
My destination is the promised land. Amen? I may have to go through a wilderness, but I don't have to stay there. I don't have to stay there. I will fear no evil. Not going to fear evil. For thou art with me. Quit looking at your watch, Marshall. We have God who promised us that he'd never leave us nor forsake us. He never promised us that we'd never face difficult times, did he? Or hardships. But we had a promise from him in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. It says, I'll always make a way of escape. I like that. For years, I didn't know it was there. I'd walk around and say, oh, God, I, I, I need an escape route, you know. Show me how to get out of this mess. Where's the trap door? How can I get out? He'd reveal it. And if we could see in the realm of the Spirit with our natural eyes, we'd see that we're surrounded by an angelic force waiting for the words of God to come forth out of your mouth. Are you hearing me? They're waiting to hear the word of the Lord spoken out of your mouth. Not thought with your thoughts, spoken out of your mouth. He says, the Bible says they hearken to hear the voice of the Lord. Didn't say it had to come from God. They want to hear the voice of the Lord. Can y'all say what God said? They're waiting on it. When I began to get some revelation of this, guess what happened? Things changed in our life. It's our responsibility to speak forth his word. It's an angelic force. Their responsibility to fulfill that word spoken. We make the mistake when we try to take on the angels' responsibilities. Are you hearing me? Thank you for your enthusiasm. Since thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. That word rod there. You know, I used to think, well, why do they have to have two? But that rod is, is a stick about this long or whatever. And they would actually take it and they would dig it up a, a stump out of the ground and they would have this thing. Everybody went out there and got their own. It was handmade. I mean, it was designed for your grip. And on the end, they'd have that root there because, and they would sit there and shave it down and do all kinds of, make a, make a club out of it. Are you getting the picture? They, it, about like this with a club. Now, these guys practiced with these things. It wasn't just about a rod touching things and all that, which they did. But they would throw those things with accuracy. They could throw them here that door back there and hit that doorknob every time. It was a weapon. It represented authority. This rod is authority. That wolf comes, I'll hit him in the head. That bear comes, I'll smack him. That sheep starts wandering over where I told him to stay out of with them poisonous weeds, I'll hit him in the head. Won't kill him. I won't throw it that hard, but I'll hit him. Why? Because I'm good with it. And my shepherd, he's good with his rod. He knows his authority. Jesus knows his authority. Are you hearing me? So the rod is also when they, they, they would bring them in there and it, they had to count them as they went through the rod. Remember that? When they have them, they go and pass under the rod. They would take them and inspect them, find anything wrong with them. Sheep don't. They just like people. We don't go to the doctor. And they would, they'd have to just take them and check them. They'd make sure, you know, look them over real good. They'd have to pass through the rod. It wasn't just about counting and go one, two, three, four, five. No, they passed through the rod. They inspected them, checked them out. Those sheep knew that rod. Just like they knew the staff. They knew the rod. 
And they liked that rod. That rod was protection. It's authority. It was their defense. They knew it. And sometimes they take that rod and says, Thy rod and thy staff. What? They comfort me. That rod would touch them. They felt comfort. They didn't feel fear because they knew the shepherd was not there to destroy them. If he wanted to destroy, he'd just leave them alone. That rod was there. That authority of God is there because he loves you. He loves you. Not trying to keep you from having a good time, but because he loves you. Now, the shepherd's staff is a little bit different. They even fashioned it with a little hook on the end. They'd have to do some things to, to bend it around because, see, that shepherd thing is when that little baby was born, if they reached down and picked it up with a hand, took it back over to give it to his mama, well, she wouldn't have nothing to do with it. So they'd have to take that little thing and hook it and bring it over and drop it off by mama, and the mama would feed, feed it. But it also would go around there, and it helped support him. But that's, the, the staff would be more of a, uh, the, the one was a, a, the rod would be for authority, but the, the staff represented his spirit, his Holy Spirit. It would touch you. You'd be walking down through there, and it would reach out, and he'd just kind of touch you. They, they kind of liked just being able to be touched by it because it knows my shepherd is right here with me. He hadn't wandered off. He's right here. There's many uses of it. We won't go into those type of things. We've already run out of time. And I guess we'll pick back up here next week. Unless y'all want to stay another hour, which we're not going to do. So, anyway, say this with me. The Lord is my shepherd. My shepherd. My shepherd. I shall not want. If anything, I want you to get this down into you because, see, this is where we are living, but not necessarily everybody's going to live there. We're living in this time. This is the location in history. But it doesn't mean that you can walk in this just because we're there because there's many that don't. But this is what it has for us, this right here. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for your word. I thank you for your promises. Lord, you said you'd never leave us nor forsake us, and I believe it with all of my heart. Lord, you are my shepherd, and you're their shepherd. And Lord, I thank you as we begin to meditate upon it more and more every single day. When the news outlets uh, bring us gloom and doom, and with the, uh, the, the common conversations at the water and holes and the, everything that we, we go by, the restaurants and the counter, counter lines, the uh, uh, at the shopping malls, all those places may be speaking one thing. Magazine racks telling us everything and shouting at us. Lord, we just look to you. We say, Lord, you're my shepherd, not, not Inquire Magazine. You're my shepherd. I look to you. And Lord, I thank you in doing so, we find peace. We walk in that peace. We walk without fear. We walk in your love. For you lead us in the path of righteousness and you lead us through the valley of the shadow of death. And because you lead us, we'll fear no evil. And I declare blessings upon the people today as they go. Blessed they were coming in, blessed they are going out. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.